the Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll feature Josh Sanders, the managing editor of Tidbits and Take Control Books. You'll also hear from our old friend Rob Pegarero. He works with Yahoo Tech and USA Today. And we'll talk about, what, the end of AOL and our histories with that service. More to come this week on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Josh Sanders now. Joining us, and Josh, you're a young whippersnapper, so maybe you were in part of AOL in the 90s, the heyday. Oh, I was. Briefly. You were. For like a month, and then my parents cut me off because of the long-distance bill. Right, because you had to dial an access number for your modem. And if there was no access number in your city, a local access number, you had to dial long-distance. Yep, yeah, our closest one was in Nashville, so that was uh, considered long-distance at the time. You know, we think now that we have flat rate telephone service. And we don't remember, not too many years ago, to call somebody who lived 10 miles away may entail a toll call per minute rate. Right. That's how it was. If you have landline service around, at least where I live, it's still like that. It's it's such an anachronism (laughs) nowadays. My solution is VoIP. You get one of those internet phone systems, you know, like Vonage or ITP and a few others. And all you do is you set them up using your internet bandwidth, very modest internet bandwidth, and you can call around the world for a single fee if you get the right package. Yeah, I use I just use Google Hangouts, which you can use for uh, phone traditional phone calls. And, you know, un- unless Google screws with something, which they often do, it works just fine. Well, I have not tried that. I just use a two-line system with a company called ITP. And it's not expensive. You get unlimited calls, USA and Canada. You get all sorts of phone features, including the ability to block someone. If you don't want somebody to call you up, You can set it to block the call. And it's not just for telemarketers. There may be people that you legitimately do not want to hear from. And also you can call around the world for a very low fee or you can upgrade for another $10 or $15 to virtually unlimited international calling in maybe 60 or 70 countries. So imagine calling someone in Australia from the USA without paying extra for it. Kind of like Skype. Well, Skype, you have to. But you can get monthly packages for calling if you're not using a computer. You know, anyway. So you were only a member of AOL for one month. Mm-hmm. What was your feeling about AOL? You know, I kind of had a bad rep at the time, you know, for being the newbie service and frankly being full of idiots. But I enjoyed it. You know, back then the web was kind of barren and very confusing. It still kind of is. I guess we've just gotten used to it. AOL, it was all right there. You had a community right there. You, you know, you had the forums, you had the chat rooms. You know, the content at the time generally looked better than what you'd find on a basic web page. You know, I, I quite liked it. I, I missed it for a long time. But yeah, it just, you know, wasn't possible for someone living out the sticks. Well, the thing I had with AOL is that I got involved with the Mac forums. And this was at a time when the rate was $4 an hour. And in 1989, that was cheap because during prime time, the major service at the time was CompuServe. 
And during prime time, it would be $22.50 an hour in 1980s dollars. So $4 an hour is pretty good. I was still running up the bill. And I got active in the Mac forums. And one of the forum producers kept comping me for my hours. And finally, he said, you know what? Why don't you assist us with this forum? You get a complimentary account. You get all sorts of extra access. And I said, yeah. And then a few years later, they were paying me every week or every two weeks to be a manager of two different forums. And then one day, this was in the latter years, they said, we're cutting out the Mac forums. Goodbye. I got like one day notice. Mm. You're done. Goodbye. And I had to fight to keep my famous email address, which was one of those names that didn't have numbers or letters after them, just the name. And you can guess what it is. And I still have that name. So now, of course, AOL is moving into the hands of Verizon. And there's so many stories you can tell about AOL. As a matter of fact, when I get Rob Pegarero on the show a little bit later, we'll continue. Let's go to other things here. Now, as with other people who work for Tidbits, you got yourself an Apple Watch. Tell me more. Oh, I've, I've had it since uh, day one. Not, you know, any minus day or after that. You know, I got um, the Friday... It debuted. You know, I think we're all still just figuring out just what it's good for. You know, I think we all agree it's a good timepiece. You know, it's good for seeing when your next event is. That's that's one part of the UI that works really well. You know, it's good for checking outside temperature, that kind of stuff. But the apps aren't really phenomenal. I think if you're relatively inactive, the fitness features are good. They're good to kind of push you and encourage you toward, um, you know, some kind of activity. But if you're, like, say, Adam Inkst and you're a competitive you know, hardcore runner, then, you know, it's generally just not accurate enough and it just, it doesn't have enough uh, useful, usable information for that sort of person. So, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, I mean, we're actually, <laughs> we're actually compiling right now. We're asking everyone we know with an Apple Watch, we're asking, actually asking them, what are they actually using it for? And we're compiling all this um, maybe for a future article, you know, and that's just kind of where we're at with it. It's a somewhat useful device. It's not essential. I think we're all just kind of puzzled by it. So it's one of those things that develops the use case over time. Now, they just released a software update, and the reason I bring this up is there have been complaints about some of the issues with the Apple Watch, such as the third-party apps that you say are not really that good anyway. They're slow to launch. Very That's slow. one particular problem. And some other people were saying that when you try to wake the watch, you lift your wrist to take a look at the watch, you kind of have to force the issue because it doesn't always work. Any of that stuff fixed with the update? Not really. Um, you know, app launching, you know, the software in general might be a little snappier. Um, like I've noticed when you're scrolling the app bubbles, it feels a little faster. You know, any kind of real performance improvement, we haven't noticed. Like right now, I'm just launching PCALC, uh, and it took about five seconds to, to load, which... It's better than it used to be. It used to be, you know, 20, 30 seconds, but it's still entirely too slow. You know, I was, I was talking to Adam Inks yesterday, and we agreed that, you know, 75% of too damn slow is still too damn slow. <laughs> so the first one was too, too damn slow. Now it's just too damn slow. Right. <laughs> well, then yeah. there'll possibly be a 1.0.2 coming out. This being the first version of the product, you expect there'll be bugs. Now, I'm hearing... Two different surveys of potential sales. One saying demand is slackening. The next day, someone else, another industry analyst says, oh, no, it's getting more popular. Mm -hmm. 
So what do you make of that? Well, it's impossible to know until Apple um, says for sure what the launch numbers are. And I was a bit surprised at their last investor call, which was, um, the, I believe, the Monday after the Apple Watch launch. Uh, and they didn't mention it at all. It, it seems like if they were selling really, really well, they would have said something. Just like I was also it. surprised we didn't have a single analyst say, oh, by the way, how's the Apple Watch doing? Right. I, I it was like feeling, you're hearing crickets. <laughs> I get the feeling they're they're maybe suggesting not not to even bother asking at that point. And, and fair enough, uh, you know. The, the yeah, but let Watch, Apple not answer it, which is better. Right. But the Apple Watch wasn't launched in the quarter they're discussing, so you know, I suppose that gives them a little breathing room. I'm sure that was you know the the timing was intentional. I'll just say from my own anecdotal experience. I'm not seeing a lot of people around me uh, just dying to get the app. Like normal people just dying to get the Apple Watch, and they don't seem terribly impressed with mine. Like I'll show it to them, and they're like, "Oh, uh huh, that's that's kind of neat." And I'll tell you what, we have more neat discussions right. about Apple Watch and other stuff. We have Josh Centers. He's from Tidbits and Take Control Books. And before we split for this break, let me tell you to go to plus.technightowl.com. Plus.technightowl.com to learn about Tech Night Owl Plus, the ad-free version of the show. We'll be back with more of the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, John Huebner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Huebner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Huebner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Huebner, at one 800 686 If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates. 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. Are you suffering from EP? 
The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves, waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection, layers of shielding material, cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. This is a nationwide announcement for consumers owing back taxes to the IRS. The slowdown in the U.S. economy has forced renewed action by the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlement amounts from qualifying consumers who owe back taxes. If you're eligible, your back tax settlement may be discounted by thousands of dollars. A specially assigned national hotline has been directly routed to Defense Tax Group. Consumers may now call and check their eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Financial stability is a major priority during this slow economy, so you're advised to dial this national hotline number now, 800-678-4191. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS, you may now find significant relief. You could save thousands of dollars if you qualify. Call now and get free vital information and to check your eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Call the Defense Tax Group now, 800-678-4191. That's 800-678-4191. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books, and we're covering Apple Watch. Is there a use case for Apple Watch? And as Josh said, you know, he asks his friends, and, okay, you got an Apple Watch, big deal. I have to tell you that I have not received a single email from anyone. And I get lots of emails every day, you know, no joke, lots of them. I have not heard from anybody who said, oh, by the way, Gene, Are you getting an Apple Watch? Or I'm interested in an Apple Watch. Can you tell me about an Apple Watch? They're not asking. Right. We haven't heard a lot from our um, readers either. Of of course, uh, our readers are a bit, you know, older than than on a lot of tech sites. So you know that that does skew things maybe a bit. You know, I'm not I'm not hearing a lot of teenagers wanting them. Our readers, um, uh, you know, in the comments section and on the tidbits talk mailing list. You know, just haven't heard a lot of talk about Apple Watch. You know, young, old, whatever, people just don't seem that super excited by it. I think Apple's failed to really deliver a killer use case or killer app for it. You know, when the when the iPhone came out, when the when the first, you know, touchscreen smartphones started coming out, you know, everyone wanted to see it. You know, even if you thought the iPhone was kind of silly like I did at the time, you still wanted to see one. You know, the interface looked cool. It definitely looked, you know, what the future should look like. You know, and everyone had a phone at the time. 
they all suck. You know, even the the better ones like the Razer still sucked. You know, the interfaces were terrible. They're slow. Uh, didn't do a whole lot. And, and we all knew there was more potential there. You know, there's just not a huge, not a lot of demand for the watch. You know, the only person in in my own friend circle who wants one is my wife. You know, I think in general, I think this will be a product that will appeal more to women than to men because. For women, a lot of the you know a lot of their clothes don't have pockets. You know they don't have an easy place to put their phone like men do. You know it's easy for us to you know get iPhone six plus slip in our pocket, you know pull it back out. It's not that big of a deal. But you know for for most women, uh, they have to carry it in a purse or they have to set it aside somewhere. Um, there's just no convenient built-in place in their in their clothing to store the phone. So I think for them, the Apple Watch would be a bit more useful. But you still have to have an iPhone in their purse. Right, right, exactly. But at least they're not having to dig through their purse to find their phone every time. I know what happens with my wife. And she takes a medium-sized purse when she travels. And she'll stick her iPhone in there. She has a 5C with a pink case. Okay, speaking of cases. So she will hear the phone ring and she'll reach for it. And half the time misses the call because till she finds the phone... The call is gone. It's gone to voicemail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, a, a problem with my wife is I'll try to text her and ask her something, and she doesn't even have her phone on her. She, You know, she'll have to leave the phone on a, on a shelf somewhere, or maybe it's in her purse, and she just doesn't see the message. And you know, so I never get an answer back. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think for women, there are definitely more use cases there. You know, for men, it's a bit, it's a bit tougher sell because, you know, a lot of us wear... Well, mo- I mean, most men's pants have pockets, and, uh, you know, so it's not hard to carry our iPhone around. Well, not an iPhone 6 Plus. I can carry an iPhone 6 comfortably. A 6 Plus, well, that's a little tight for me, and I think it is for a lot of people. That's yeah. why I always wondered about it. I said, you know what? If you moonlight as a clown, a faplet would be fine. If you don't, maybe you get a holster case or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you could do that. Or, you know, if you carried um, some kind of satchel or, uh, I don't know, <laughs> perhaps a, a heavy lanyard. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I do know men who carry uh, a 6 Plus and they carry it in their pocket. And uh, I don't know, maybe they just have, you know, big pockets in their pants. But uh, it seems, uh, seems to be, I mean, it seems to work okay for them. Now, the thing up here about watches is that a lot of people didn't grow up wearing watches which is a very significant issue. So I would assume then that the age group for something like this skews older, especially if you're getting to the more expensive configurations where somebody who has earned a fair amount of money and they have money to burn, they'll go into that. Right. I mean, it's, well, you know, and, you know, the few people who do ask me now about, you know, should I get the Apple Watch and, it's one of those things where I say you don't need it. Um, you know, if you have to ask, I'd tell you no. But um, you know, yeah, if you have money to burn and you just want it, yeah, sure, why not? You, you know, if if you buy it primarily as a piece of jewelry that also has smart features, th- then you'll be happy. If you buy it as a computing device that also happens to be a piece of jewelry, you'll probably find yourself frustrated. So where do you think this is going to go? Is it going to have traction or will it always be some kind of semi-fashion device that people with a little extra money to burn would appreciate? Uh, You know, it's hard to say. You know, of course, I would never bet against Apple. 
you know, when the iPod was first introduced, uh, it was kind of seen as a fashion device and kind of overpriced and not terribly useful. You know, I, I, but I think it's on them, though, to really build the use case for it and really give people a compelling reason to add it to the rotation. Because here's part of the problem with the Apple Watch, too, from a sales standpoint, is that, you know, let's say you're an Apple person and you're all in on Apple. Okay, so you have a Mac, which you have to replace, you know, every four to five years, maybe sooner, maybe later, you know, but on average, four to five years. You have an iPhone, which you probably replace every two years when your contract's up. You know, because, I mean, no sense in paying that huge cell phone bill if you're not subsidizing a phone. Then you have the iPad, which, uh, you know, you probably also replace maybe every four years. You know, you might also have Apple TV, maybe an airport express or airport router. Those uh, don't have to be replaced as often and they're not that expensive. But then you have the Apple Watch in the mix. And it starts, you know, and, and Apple's had a good trio so far, you know, between the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. You know, you know, iPhone gets replaced first, and then maybe the Mac, and then probably iPad is probably the last thing in your rotation. You know, but now you have the Apple Watch, and that's just another thing you have to worry about upgrading in a few years if, if you become reliant on it. So I think that's part of the hesitation, too. So Apple's going to have to offer offer some kind of better value proposition and and it's almost hard to do that without replacing something, without saying, you know, you buy the Apple Watch instead of the iPhone, which I don't think Apple wants to do because, uh, you know, the iPhone is such a huge part of their business now. You know, I mean, really, it is their business and everything else is more or less a hobby. So, but right, I think- imagine making five or ten million dollars from a business. And that, by the way, is just a hobby. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but I think that's really the, the key. They're going to have to really convince people that an Apple Watch is worth not just spending the money on, but also, uh, you know, you have to worry about charging the battery, you have to update software, you know, you have to replace it every now and then. So, uh, you know, people, you know, they really have to have something compelling that will, uh, you know, convince people that that's worth their trouble and their money. Apple Watch. Hmm. Good question. Of course. Companies who also sell smartwatches are finding the same problem. None has been a breakout hit. And now there's a report, by the way, a published report that Pebble, one of the originators of the current smartphones, is having problems raising money because of the presence of Apple Watch. Think about that. We have Josh Centers thinking about everything. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. You. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! 
interact with the host you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing, payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves, waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. In case you haven't checked it out, we have a special service that we offer our listeners who want an ad-free version of the show with better quality audio. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. That's at plus.technightowl.com. Plus.technightowl.com. Check it out. Get the information 
for a modest monthly, annual, or five-year rate, plus.technightowl.com. We're talking about the use case of the Apple Watch with Josh Centers, and he's kind of skeptical. I guess if you want it for health and fitness, maybe it's going to be valuable. Maybe as time goes on, Apple develops the use case. There are contradictory reports about how well it's doing. Is it doing really well, better than Apple expected? Is it not doing so well? Is demand falling off? How many people are really interested? Apple is advertising the bejesus of it. I mean, I see those ads on a lot of TV shows. I watch a fair amount of TV, and I constantly see the ads. So we'll see. Now, let me ask you, though, if you didn't work for Tidbits, would you keep your Apple Watch? Probably not. (laughs) Honestly, probably not. You know, if I didn't do this for a living, uh, well, I probably wouldn't have bought one in the first place. You know, just in general, I always liked waiting at least for the second generation of any Apple product. You know, I waited till the iPhone 4 until I got an iPhone. I waited till the iPad 2 before I dove in there. I, I, well, I definitely did get the first uh, Mac. Uh, that, was, that was a bit before my time. Yeah, Apple Watch, uh, you know, if I had bought it for some crazy reason, yeah, I probably would have returned it or sold it or something. Um, I, I think uh, Adam has actually indicated something similar, but, you know, we need to be able to keep our eyes on, the, on this new ecosystem for our readers. We, you know, we have to be knowledgeable about it. We have to know what developers are doing with the platform. So, uh, yeah, we're stuck with it for now, and, and hopefully it'll turn into something better. Now, you're someone who has written a book about Apple TV. The last revision is 2012. They added 1080p support. And then the following year, I think they came out with a slightly different design chip, but no difference in performance. So we're talking about something that performs on the level of, what, an iPad 2 in terms of performance. And now it's 2015, and there are new stories now that finally we're not going to see an Apple TV set. They were talking about that for a long time. Gene Munster of Piper Jaffrey, one of the main industry analysts, was touting for years the claim that Apple would come out with a TV set. And even he's now admitted, not going to happen. It's going to be Apple TV. So we're, what, two weeks or so away from Apple's keynote at the Worldwide Developers Conference. They are expected to say something about Apple TV. But why at a developers conference? It's really a consumer product, right? Well, the only clear answer is that they are going to announce some sort of TV API. You know, I've heard the name TV kit bandied around, and that's probably what they'll call it if that's what they're doing. So that'd be my best guess. They're going to announce something that developers will be able to do, you know, with the new Apple TV platform. And presumably will mean new hardware because <laughs> then, uh, you know, the last one came out in 2012 and you know, very long in the tooth now. Now, it's not that it's not fast enough. It works pretty well. But if Apple's going to add more stuff for features, the interface, maybe gaming, maybe 4K support, they'll have to upgrade it. Right. Well, you know, part of the thing is, too, I've started using my Fire TV more and more. And I found the more I used it, the harder it's been to go back to the Apple TV, which we still have to for HBO because for some reason uh, Comcast doesn't like HBO Now on the Fire TV. Uh, no, not HBO Go HBO Now. Uh, maybe I should switch. <laughs> but that's beside the point. The interface is just kind of painfully slow. Uh, you know, once you've gotten used to something faster. So, uh, you know, I mean, for, for me, back to the Apple TV, the third generation right now is very frustrating. And, uh, well, and, you know, once you get used to the, the speed of the Fire TV interface, 
generation Apple TV becomes kind of uh, hard to tolerate. Um, oh, that's something that definitely needs to happen. But once you get used to the speed of the Fire TV, the, the third gen Apple TV is kind of hard to go back to. It just, it just feels really sluggish by comparison. Well, that's part of the problem. Of course, that can be sped up with optimization also. Now, let me be careful about this. I have not personally used an Amazon Fire TV, so I can't attest to the speed or lack of speed. I have, however, used the Roku 3, not the current version. They just revised it. The previous version, I think it was adequately snappy and all, but I didn't perceive it as being any better than the Apple TV. I thought maybe it handled Netflix better, but that's a matter of something that has to be addressed by Apple and Netflix, just as it was with Roku and Netflix, but who knows about the next Apple TV. Regardless, it's clear that the next Apple TV will have a much faster processor. Now, the fact that that Apple cut the price by $30, is that the fire sale or what? Uh. I, I think it is. Um, you know, we've had some disagreements, like tidbits about what it means, but to, to me, it kind of indicated that they're ready to, to you know get rid of it. Well, and also it's become uh, in some cases become kind of it's become kind of hard to get from the Apple Store. Uh, you know, there've been some delays in getting them, so I, I get the feeling they're, they're trying to ramp that down and, and get them out. Well, that's one way to do it. All right. In any case, let's just move on here and talk about what the next Apple TV is going to be. Now, obviously a faster processor for more of the current generations. Obviously, it's going to be faster. What about 4K TV? Have you ever seen a 4K television? I, saw, I think I saw one in like Sam's Club, but <laughs> I didn't really notice. Uh, I didn't really see what the big deal was. Uh, you know, for a long time, I thought the next Apple TV would have some kind of 4K support. But now the rumor mill is saying that Apple has rejected that. And... I guess I can see why, you know, I, I don't even think most people are taking full advantage of 1080p yet. So, you know, why would they, uh, you know, why, why, why would they want to upgrade to 4K when they barely get 1080p? I th- you know, that's a little disappointing, but you know, not really. Since I don't have a 4K TV. I don't really care to buy one. You know, and if 4K is the future, I, I still think it's a long time coming. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's probably less likely, you know, given that. Most people don't have a 4K TV. Most people don't have an interest in 4K. And, you know, and since the rumor was saying no 4K, uh, you know, all that leads me to believe that that's probably not going to be the big thing for the next Apple TV. And, and if they need to add 4K, they'll do like they did between the second and third generation, and they'll just come out with a new box. Well, the thing here is 4K in terms of Consumer electronics is taking off. A lot of cheaper sets are coming out with 4K. You can get sets for under $1,000 now. Not much of a premium anymore. Also, there is a there is an Ultra HD Blu-ray support coming. New Blu-ray players. And that's going to be a real key factor here because the limitation of 4K right now is where's the content? Yes, you can stream video from Amazon Instant Video and Netflix and maybe one or two others. Very few are available. They're so highly compressed that even if you have the bandwidth on your ISP to run that speed, it doesn't look that much different. But with the ability to buy, just like you did 3D, of course no one bought 3D, but with the ability to have Ultra HD Blu-ray 
that could be a turning point for the holiday season for 4K. It could. Uh, you know, I'm just not sure there's that much consumer interest. You know, I, I think what most people want from a TV is they want big and cheap. You know, and, and it still cracks me up. Um, you know, even now, how often I'll go over to someone's house and, uh, you know, they'll have uh, something hooked up to their high-def TV in a way where uh, they're not getting high-def. Like maybe they use old AV cables or something like that. Or like, well, here, here's a better example. That's a little less common with HDMI. But, um, you know, um, my wife will hire, you know, teenagers to, to watch our son when we go out. And yeah, let's w- talk about that in our next segment. Okay. With Josh Sanders of Tidbits and Take Control Books about do people even get the HD they're paying for on the Tech Night Out Live? We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This is a nationwide announcement for consumers owing back taxes to the IRS. The slowdown in the U.S. economy has forced renewed action by the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlement amounts from qualifying consumers who owe back taxes. If you're eligible, your back tax settlement may be discounted by thousands of dollars. A specially assigned national hotline has been directly routed to Defense Tax Group. Consumers may now call and check their eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Financial stability is a major priority during this slow economy, so you're advised to to dial this national hotline number now, 800-678-4191. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS, you may now find significant relief. You could save thousands of dollars if you qualify. Call now and get free vital information and to check your eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Call the Defense Tax Group now, 800-678-4191. That's 800-678-4191. 800-678-4191. The polar vortex is here and expected to freeze over part of the U.S. Help is needed. Resources are often drained by people capable of caring for themselves, leaving those with the greatest needs to go without. Do your part by being prepared this winter. A supply of Go Foods will provide delicious nutrition, comfort, and security during hard times. Protect your community and call Go Foods at 1-800-648-9753 or on the web at www.storefoodnow.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Walland Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Walland Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Walland Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary, not a solicitation for legal services. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books, and you're telling us a story here of the babysitters who come to look at your kid Take care of your kid, and they're right. watching TV, and they're not watching HD. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll come home, and they'll have it on the cable box, and they'll have it on the non-HD channels, and they don't even, they don't even notice. You know, they don't even notice the difference. I I honestly believe there's at least twenty five percent of the population, if not more, who if you put a high def picture and a standard def picture side by side, I'm not sure they'd be able to tell you which one was different. Um, and it looks really obvious to me. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, I, I have some pretty strong glasses, but I don't, I don't think most people notice, or if they notice, they don't care. It's, you know, the, the picture quality just isn't that important, you know, to at least a, a significant segment of the population. Well, I mean, even at that, you know, you look at the, uh, you look at the current game consoles and it took two whole generations just to get, um, anything approaching proper 1080p support. And even then, with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, a lot of games still don't support full, full 1080p. They'll choose to have more things on screen or or they'll choose to have higher frame rates and drop back in resolution. You know, we're still not at the point where, um, you know, living room applications can consistently support the full 1080p spec. So it only makes sense if, if we still haven't quite taken full advantage of the TVs we have now, why upgrade? You know, wh- why get something else that's going to take, you know, forever for the rest of the technology to catch up with it? You know, there's just no, no point. And, and for the standard TV buyer, are you going to spend, you know, more money and maybe sacrifice other things for 4K? Or are you going to take that money and, and get more screen space? And I think for most people, 
the bigger screen is the better investment. You know, I think if you took, if you asked, you know, TV buyers, I'd say 90% would say if they had a choice between a 720 screen that was 80 inches or a 1080p screen that was, uh, you know, maybe 50 inches. I think they would take the first one. They would take the big screen every time because for well, most people, that's well, what matters. Well, we don't have that option anymore because the really large screens are 1080p right. and the 720p, the slightly less high-definition standard, you know, you only find those on the really, really cheap sets. But here's the point. You can buy a 4K set now from a company like Vizio for $500. Or $600. So there's a point here where as the price of 4K drops into this, shall we say, this hot zone where people buy a lot of their TVs, you're going to see more of them just by virtue of the fact that within a couple of years, they will only be the very cheapest sets that are still 1080p. That's where it's going. That's how it's going to reach critical mass. And once that happens... There's more of a reason to have more content. It's the chicken versus the egg and all that. Maybe, but but, but here, here's part of the problem. You know, in that case, then people who are getting 4K TVs aren't realizing that they're buying 4K. They're, they just, re- oh, it's, it's a big high-def TV. And but most people don't know, and they shouldn't have to know the difference between like 720p, 1080p, uh, 4K. You know, no one should have to worry about the resolution of their TV. That, that's part of where the TV industry screwed up. But... You know, it's going to be hard to sell to people who don't realize what they have. Like, oh, well, this is this is 4K content. You know, like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it means it's three dollars more. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll take the cheaper one. Uh, or, you know, you'll you'll also have the opposite end. You have people buying 4K content or running 4K content and watching it on a 1080 screen or even a 720p screen, and they're like, oh yeah, it looks a lot sharper, and you, they really can't tell the difference. You know, which won't help 4K's reputation. Then, then you know, people will be saying, "Oh, well, 4K, you just pay more. Doesn't look, look really look any different." Well, there's also the problem, Gene, of even stuff that's 1080p now, like especially older films, they don't always look great in 1080p. Like I'll give you a good example. I have the Blu-ray of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and it came with uh, a Blu-ray master and it came with a uh, the DVD version. It was one of those that came with both. And I've watched them side by side, and I really can't tell the difference between them. If anything, the Blu-ray looks a little worse. I don't know if they they just screwed up the transfer, um, or you know the original resolution wasn't that great, or for whatever reason it just didn't translate well. You know, and you would you would have a hard time trying to convince me to rebuy that movie again in 4K because I'm like, well, the 1080p one didn't look that good. Um, and then that's the case with a lot, a lot of older stuff. So there just there has to be a compelling reason for 4K. Probably the most compelling reason in the long run would be sports. You know, if you have a 65-inch screen that's 4K and you can watch football in 4K, uh, you know, with all the stuff going on the screen, you know, all the, all the little tiny football players and all the numbers and stuff, I could see that being a compelling case. Of course, enthusiasts will like 4K. But, you know, when we're just talking about normal, average people, it's going to be a harder sell. Well, I think here what's going to happen is simply as they get cheaper and people want something slightly better than the cheapest set, they'll get it. The other thing is the size of the set. At a normal viewing distance, I don't mean right up close, where you might be for a gaming console or something. But at normal viewing distance, you know, eight or nine feet away or something, you're probably going to have to have 55 or 60 inches minimum 
to see the difference with 4K. Mm-hmm. But I still think Apple's going to do it because Apple is supporting the higher resolution formats on Macs. I mean, a lot of Macs can run 4K displays. You now have the iMac 5K in a more affordable configuration, and you could run a 5K display on a Mac Pro. So Apple is certainly supporting the higher resolution. And if it can be offered with not much of a change in terms of the cost of the hardware or software features, why not have it? Right. Well, you know, part of, part of my reasoning before was that, you know, Apple could, uh, you know, beat the the other vendors, uh, you know, like the Blu-ray people to 4K by getting it on iTunes first. Um, of course, it wouldn't be that simple because you still have to work with the content producers. The content producers are close uh, or in some cases, the same as the Blu-ray people. So I, I don't know. I would have to, you know, probably look at, you know, the the statistics from Apple's point of view to really make the call on that. Um, but but right now, all signs are pointing against 4K. You know, like uh, it's just not looking like that's what's going to happen. What's probably going to happen with the next Apple TV? We'll probably have um, some, you know, third-party app support of some kind. Faster interface, uh, you know. There's a lot of talk about this, you know, new TV, Sling TV kind of service, um, and probably some kind of voice control, or probably some kind of Siri on the Apple TV. I hate to speculate too much, Gene, because I've speculated so much in the Apple TV, and so far I've been horribly wrong every single time. So, so I'm kind of at the point. I, I think I'm better off quitting while I'm ahead. Uh, I mean, some things to me are just kind of obvious, and are, you know, have been for a while. This is, in some ways, is the most exciting for me Apple announcement in a while because I'm not quite sure what they're going to announce. You know, I think we all saw the watch coming. Well, we see the iPhones and iPads coming more or less. Um, but with the Apple TV, I don't, I don't know. They, they could throw us a real curveball here. You know, are are we going to see the same sort of box? You know, uh, if they redesign the remote, what that, what's that going to look like? Uh, you know, what else will it be able to do? You know, what is the, what is it that we don't know? That we're going to see from it, and you know, those are interesting questions, and they're fun questions because, as someone who who watches this stuff constantly, it's kind of hard to surprise me. So, it you know, the idea that I might be surprised that sounds kind of fun. I just think if Apple can find a way to make it easy to have a product with several dozen channels and find your content quickly and easily, that would be one of the biggest improvements of all. And also being able to integrate all the things you do on your TV set. Because it's not just the Apple TV box. A lot of people are going to have maybe a cable box. Or they'll have a gaming console. They'll have the stereo system. And getting all that stuff to work together is not an easy job. I play with the Harmony Remote. One of the better models that I got several years ago. And just getting everything to turn on the first time without tapping help is a chore. It doesn't always happen because you have to look and aim it in an exact way so it hits the IR sensors on all your devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've had similar setups. You know, I would have like a programmable remote where I, I would try to set up so one button would turn on the, the amp and the TV and, and the cable box and whatever else. And it's hard to get those things to work right. Someone's got to solve that problem. And that's what makes it uncomfortable. I mean, just the other day, I'm watching TV and I'm switching to the Apple TV so I could watch the last couple of episodes of the Daredevil show on Netflix. And just doing that, okay, I'm switching from the cable box to the Apple TV. 
had to go through a couple of efforts to make it work with all the components. We have Josh Centers. He's here as a single entity, not split apart into 60 channels. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state in back taxes, you know they'll never stop coming after you. With bank levies, wage garnishments, they'll even seize your home or business. The good news? A government program for tax debt forgiveness. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative. I'm Paul Sibley. With U.S. Tax Shield, we can help navigate the new laws, get you protected, and resolve your tax issues permanently. Call the experts at U.S. Tax Shield now for your free consultation and get a guaranteed quote to resolve your case. Call 800-436-6451. That's 800-436-6451. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You've heard them on Alex Jones. You've seen them on Ancient Aliens. Now come see them live at Contact in the Desert 2015 in Joshua Tree this May. Experience four full days of science-centered lectures, workshops, intensives, and field work on ancient astronauts, extraterrestrial intelligence, human origins, crop circles, contact experiences, UFO sightings, and more. Meet Chariots of the Gods author Eric Von Daniken, Ancient Aliens host Giorgio A. Sokolos, New York Times bestselling author David Wilcock, Dead Doctors Don't Lie author Dr. Joel Wallach, astronauts Edgar Mitchell and Story Musgrave, Earth Files publisher Linda Moulton Howe, author Jim Mars, and many of the world's most respected researchers and scientists exploring answers to one of the greatest questions of all time. More speakers, more panels, more things to do. Join us at the Joshua Tree Retreat Center, which has a long history of sightings and contact experiences. For advanced tickets and conference schedule, go to contactinthedesert.com. That is contactinthedesert.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Is there a time that you foresee in the next year or two, Josh Sanders of Tidbits and Take Control Books, when every single Mac... It comes with a display. Obviously, the Mac Mini and the Mac Pro don't. But the iMac and all the MacBooks, even the MacBook Air, have Retina Display Standard. I don't know about the next year, but the next, uh, you know, definitely within the next five years and probably the next couple of years. <laughs> but, but here's an interesting thing to note, Pro, the old one that still has the optical drive. It's still around. (laughs) It hasn't gone anywhere. It doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere. Um, It's just going to stumble around like a zombie computer for probably a few more years. Um, And presumably, you know, it's popular enough, you know, to do that. So, um, but now in terms of the mainstream line, you know, whether, you know, the the Mac, uh, I don't know about the Air. The Air, the Air is kind of up in the uh, Air, uh, pun not really intended there. But, it's a um, very hot product, hot air. <laughs> yeah, it's 
It's very cloud-based. Um, so the uh, you know the MacBook Air, I'm not sure about, but I, I could see I could see the MacBook Air being replaced by the MacBook eventually uh, when, when they get the when they get the design right. You know, the MacBook Pro is almost all Retina now. The iMac is moving toward Retina. You know, the next big thing would be a Retina monitor of some kind, which you know I, I'm not sure I'm not sure if Apple wants to be in that business, but Somebody has to create a retina resolution monitor, and I don't see anyone else doing it. They do have retina resolution monitors. Dell has one, a 5K display. It's like $24.99, which is now more than the iMac 5K. There's also one from HP, which is $12.99 at stores. Oh, okay. Uh, That's something I haven't really paid attention to in a while, obviously. You know, so whether applicants in that business, I'm not quite sure. You know, we'll just uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, the issue there is that Apple's selling like a four or five year old product, the Apple Thunderbolt display. It has the same resolution as a standard 27 inch iMac. It has USB two ports, not USB three. Thunderbolt, not Thunderbolt two. The old style MagSafe adapter. It's still available on Apple's site for nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Mm-hmm. And the question is, when can they offer a 5K? Basically, the iMac display without the computer for maybe, what, $12.99, $13.99. That would be competitive. Mm-hmm. But part of the problem also is driving that display, because right now the display port technology is in its infancy for these high-resolution displays. Like, you got to use two cables for that Dell I mean, it's kind of horrendous, and it means that the only Mac on which it works is the Mac Pro with two graphics cards. Right, and and that's a difficult problem. Sorry, my Apple Watch told me to stand, so I had to do what it said. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what the solution is there. And well, it's more complicated by the fact that Apple seems to be moving away from Thunderbolt and now toward USB-C, and I wouldn't be surprised in the future. I know five years or so, if every Apple computer didn't just come with just USB-C ports, you know, and it's an interesting idea. You know, why not just have one kind of port in your computer? You just need one sort of cable and they can all hook together that way. Um, You know, power, accessories, all that. I'm not quite sure how you solve that problem. You know, maybe you don't. Maybe the maybe Apple's solution is integrated displays and everything. Uh, You know, maybe they'll get rid of the mini and the pro and, and the MacBook. Well, not the Mac, but the Mac Pro entirely. I'm not really sure. Well, because it's interesting because it seems like, in a lot of ways, the Retina iMac is the real Mac Pro. Because a lot of people who got the Mac Pro when it first came out ended up selling it and switching to the Retina iMac. Because for most people, they don't need all that processing power, They, you know, but they do need a lot of screen. They need a lot of resolution. So it, the, the Mac Pro is even more of a niche product. It's one of those kind of products where... You almost have to be doing like professional video work to even justify it, and even then, it's kind of a you know it's kind of a dicey proposition. Well, part of the issue here is you want to run multiple 5K displays, which you can't quite do now, but you'll be able to do. The other issue here is that it has to be software that works with more than four core processors. If it's four cores, your best 5K iMac is faster than a Mac Pro. Right. But if you want to have eight cores or 12 cores and you have software, the three applications on the planet that benefit, there aren't that many. I'm saying three is a joke. There aren't that many. Then maybe it makes sense to have 
the Mac Pro. You want to add loads of RAID drives, lots of extra peripherals where a couple of Thunderbolt 2 ports is not sufficient, then you get a Mac Pro. So the use case is fairly limited, but that limitation could be tens of thousands of people. Right. Um, Well, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, AMC just wrapped up the show Mad Men. And I think its last episode had its best ratings ever, which was like a little over three million people, which isn't that isn't that great? You know, for a cable only show, it's tremendous. It's really good. Yeah, it's pretty good for for basic cable. But when you compare it to like, I don't know, say a a CSI rerun, which can get 15 million viewers quite easily. It's it's, well, even Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's last episode was like around 10 million viewers. My point being my point being is that, you know, for AMC. Mad Men wasn't a rating show. It was a prestige show. It was what they did to win awards that they could brag about and, you know, get people talking about AMC and, you know, they were in great shows like Mad Men. And, you know, every network has some equivalent of that, right? Uh, well, well, for example, ones. Good Wife on CBS. Good Wife on CBS takes chances. They kill off a lead character, as they did in the past year. They do that and they get ratings of what? Seven to 10 million people, which on network TV is not a lot. In consequence, if you have like NCIS, it's 15 or 20 million people after you count people who are watching it on the DVR. And that's small, by the way, from the way TV used to be. But right now, an audience of 3 million people or 2 million may be enough to keep a show on cable. It's barely enough to have it work on terrestrial TV. Right. So, but but my point being is that a lot of companies, um, especially ones that still take pride in what they do, uh, don't mind having prestige products, you know. And I think for Apple, um, the stuff they make, you know, like Final Cut Pro, um, you know, the Mac Pro, the the kind of stuff uh, that these really that these niche high end people use, it's. it's you know, maybe not a great business, but it's a great prestige product. You know, it, it's something to be able to say, hey, our company uh, makes the hardware and software that helped, uh, you know, this guy create this Oscar award winning documentary. Or, you know, it helped, uh, you know, I don't know who, who's a good filmmaker these days. I, I can't think of one that's still alive or still making good movies <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, yeah, well, they use the Mac Pro to make this Oscar winning movie, you know. Um, you know, and 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 that's uh, you know, that's something to be proud of. That's something they can brag about. And I think Apple likes doing that. Um, you know, when it makes business sense. So, uh, you know, I think they have an interest in trying to keep those people happy. Um, it's not their top priority. I mean, we, we kind of saw the Final Cut Pro uh, ten or X or I don't know however you say it. Really, um, you know, initially it didn't have all the features of the old one. It ticked a lot of people off. A lot of people went to Avid or. Of these other systems, but but now they're starting to come back because Apple's starting to add the features again, and the other ones are bet hard to work with, and you know Apple's starting to slowly win back the trust of um, professional, um, you know, like Hollywood uh, film editors and filmmakers and stuff. So um, you know, I think that's a market Apple wants. Uh, you know, if Apple were had to sacrifice it, uh, they would, but it's it's something I think that we'd like to keep around. I know recently there was a movie called Focus, a Will Smith vehicle, and it did decently at the box office, and Apple made a big deal because it used 
Final Cut Pro. And it wasn't like a big special effects extravaganza. It was just a normal budgeted movie, as if, you know, what was it, $50 million is a normal budget these days. It's also having a prestige product. You know, like in the auto business, a car maker like Volkswagen is going to have a prestige product, the more expensive Audis or Bentley. Do you know Bentley is owned by Volkswagen now? A prestige product, limited production, but that is like a showpiece for the company's right. technologies. We've got right. Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books for one more segment. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face -face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. one 800 425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary, not a solicitation for legal services. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. You pick up.
up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Moving on with Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. So we're a couple of weeks away as we do this show from the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference. There may or may not be an announcement on Apple TV. Apple has already shot its wad about new Macs, although I suspect maybe a new Mac Pro would be coming soon with more powerful graphics and such. But what about iOS and OS X? What do we expect to see? Well, the biggest rumor I've heard so far is that both will replace Helvetica new in uh, the typeface in the in the UI with the San Francisco typeface from the Apple Watch. <laughs> That's the biggest thing I've heard so far. I've also heard some, there was also a rumor about a HomeKit-based uh, app, I, I guess, for controlling all your home automation stuff, which, yeah, that, that seems likely, at least on the iOS end. I would probably say... You know, given kind of what I heard and what would probably be a smart thing for Apple to do, because people aren't really demanding a lot of new features out of either operating system. Both are fairly feature complete at this point. I think people more want stability. You know, we hear constant complaints from people who are annoyed at iOS 8 and Yosemite's stability, how things work, um, especially with the networking stack. I don't know if you've covered this on your show before, but that, that whole thing's a mess. You know, just a lot of problems that that have ramped up, especially in this last year, you know, because they added so many features and they were all integrated. You know, one of the reasons my iOS 8 book was a little was a bit late was that, you know, even up until the day before it was released, there were so many features that were broken that I I couldn't write about in an intelligent way because uh, I I couldn't test them yet, you know, and and so I, I couldn't really describe them until after, you know, everything was turned on and, you know, the servers were live and we were ready to go. And then, of course, by then, people were already having to figure iOS out on their own. So that was frustrating. And it was frustrating for, for a lot of people, just normal people, too. So I would really like Apple to, to just pair things back, say, like, okay, this is a Snow Leopard kind of year. iOS 9, we have, you know, a few extra things. Uh, we have a few extra 
things and the new Mac OS, OS 10, whatever they call it now. You know, but most of all, we, we worked on reducing code, fixing up the infrastructure, uh, streamlining things, making things faster, making things more reliable, uh, you know, just making it so you can fully enjoy the features you have now and you can, you know, enjoy your devices even more. You know, probably the big thing in iOS would be Force Touch, which will probably, I'm sure, will arrive with the next iPhones. But I don't think they'll talk about that at WWDC, at least not publicly. They'll be one of those things developers have to figure out after, you know, here in a few months, uh, most likely. That's mostly what I'm wanting to see. I'm, I'm hoping to see is just stability, just make things work right. You know, uh, give us the Apple quality again. You know, there, uh, with extensibility, some improvements to third-party keyboards would be nice. Like switching between them right now is a pain. Um, but that, that just goes back into the refinement thing. You know, t- you know the features are good. I'm thrilled with extensibility. I'm thrilled being able to use one password in Safari and be able to send things, you know, to the Gmail app and or to Ever, the Evernote app or whatever. But the main thing I think most people want right now is just stability, just polish, you know, work on all those little details, you know, get, just get things working like they should. Make it feel like a proper Apple product, you know, give people confidence in Apple software again. I think that's a big opportunity for Apple here because feature-wise, I don't think anyone's even close to them, or or going to blow them away in the next year. This, this is a market that's really starting to settle down. So, so it's time to just really dive in and just make and just smooth things out. The only thing that worries me is what Phil Schiller said in the press release about WWDC. They can't wait to show you all the new features, technologies, with the new releases. So even if it's going to be a fixer upper, there are going to be new things. It might, you know, it might be more on the developer end, and it's something we've seen more of, especially last year. You know, iOS eight, and to a lesser degree, Yosemite was almost more about the developers and the end users. Because you know, while I was writing my book and using the beta, uh, you know, it, iOS eight wasn't that much different from iOS seven, and it wasn't until you know a day or two after iOS eight came out, and suddenly all the app updates hit. And suddenly the share sheets were full of all these third-party apps, and I had all these third-party keyboards, and I had all these widgets to play with. You know, I had a few, um, some kind developers uh, let me in to see what they were working on, and so you know, I was able to get early looks at that. But, you know, it didn't really hit me until, like, the day it came out, the, the day after iOS 8 came out, and suddenly I'm like, wow, this, this is what we're seeing. So the, the surface changes weren't that much, but the behind-the-scenes stuff was huge, and you end up seeing that, you know, once developers are able to take advantage of it. So, you know, that's just something we'll have to wait and see. I, you know, I would like to see, I'll tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a better cop, uh, text selection system because what they have now, probably still better than anything else I've used on mobile, but it's still bad. It's still very wonky and awkward. You know, you try to select like one word and it's, and it's selecting a whole paragraph or the whole page. And it's very hard to fix. Just very frustrating. I'd like to see a better text selection system because the way you select text now in iOS is just very bad. It probably works better than than anything else in mobile, but still very awkward. You know, you try to select a word and you end up selecting a whole paragraph or a whole page. So um, if anyone from Apple is listening to this, that's the one big thing I would like. I would like to have a, a much better text selection system. If Apple is listening, I'd like to see a better multitasking system for iPad. And there are reports now, in fact, I think Macworld is running a story about it, about the possibility 
that will have like a side-by-side multitasking or something. Then, of course, we have those rumors about an iPad Pro that will not go away. What's Apple going to do for the next act? Unfortunately, we also have about a minute to talk about it. So I'll ask you very briefly, Josh Centers, do you see Apple producing this larger screened iPad? Uh, uh, um, I think it's more likely we'll see a more iPad-focused uh, iOS because I think part of the reason the iPad isn't selling now is because iOS doesn't really take advantage of the screen. So for a larger iPad to make any kind of com- large iPad makes any kind of commercial sense, uh, they really need to be able to find a way to take advantage of that large screen. Yeah, it does seem underutilized <laughs> now because it's not that different. I mean, some of the apps have better artwork because they have a larger landscape to display content. And that's really the biggest thing you see with the iPad. But when you look at the basic interface and usability, it's not that much different from an iPhone, and that could be a significant factor, and maybe one of the reasons why, well, if you want something with more of a tablet function, they can get by with the iPhone 6 Plus. Who knows? All right, Josh Centers, please tell us how we can learn more about the things you do. Uh, You can read my professional articles on tidbits.com and my ramblings and ravings on Twitter at jcenters. We'll have some rantings and ravings coming up next, by the way. Well, not rantings and ravings, with Rob Pegarero of, of Yahoo Tech and USA Today coming up. On the agenda, we'll be talking about AOL. Will there be an AOL in a few years now that Verizon is buying them? And what about Comcast? Is Comcast doing something new to try to get you to feel they are warm and they are fuzzy? Lots of questions coming up with Rob. Josh Centers, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors. Head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hey, neighbor, what are you doing digging? You had a heart attack last year. Oh, I know. I was told no more hard labor. Then why are you digging? Well, I've been taking Extendovite. It's been approved to help my heart. Extendovite? Is that a new drug? No, not a drug. It's uh, more like an herbal combination made from garlic and cayenne. Herbal? How can that help? Well, actually, we've taken herbs for thousands of years, and Extendivite is doing the job for me. Does your doctor know about Extendivite? Yeah, my doctor knows, and he said it seems to be working for you, so don't stop taking it. I feel great taking Extendivite. I don't want to stop. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with This is a nationwide announcement for consumers owing back taxes to the IRS. The slowdown in the U.S. economy has forced renewed action by the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlement amounts from qualifying consumers who owe back taxes. If you're eligible, your back tax settlement may be discounted by thousands of dollars. A specially assigned national hotline has been directly routed to Defense Tax Group. Consumers may now call and check their eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Financial stability is a major priority during the slow economy, so you're advised to dial this national hotline number now 800-678-4191 if you owe more than ten thousand dollars in back taxes to the irs you may now find significant relief you could save thousands of dollars if you qualify call now and get free vital information and to check your eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction call the defense tax group now 800-678-4191 that's 800-678-4191 What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. For this half of the show, we'll be featuring Rob Pegararo, who writes columns for USA Today and Yahoo Tech and other places. And we're going to focus first on, I guess, kind of the end of an era, though it's probably not over. And that goes back to the famous announcement so many of you remember, you've got mail. And I always wondered, when I heard that on AOL, did the guy who did that voice get royalties for every time that announcement is played by millions of people billions of times a day? Almost, I'm thinking of the actor, the voice actor who does Law and Order. He does yeah. an introduction. And you think, you know, this guy has done that for six or 700 TV shows, several series. Same guy doing it for like 20 years. He's getting something, money, every time his voice is heard. I don't think the guy who did You've Got Mail on AOL got anything much at all. Because AOL could be very cheap with the people who worked for them. 
So what's your experience about AOL? <laughs> AOL was, uh, it was not the first online service I used. I think that honor goes, maybe it was, it was definitely the first email address uh, like I had in actual use. And uh, that lasted for about a year or so. And then I got a slip account, serial line internet protocol, got rid of the AOL account not too long after that. I mean, I was on a bunch of the online services. I had a CompuServe account. I'm one of the very tiny minority of people to have ever used Apple's eWorld service. Hand raised. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had some nice icons in eWorld. They were, but didn't work well for Apple. And yeah, AOL. They, uh, it's funny, in one way, AOL has been part of my daily routine. It, it's never gone away, given that I spend so much time reading one AOL site or another in Gadget, TechCrunch. You know, a bunch of people who work at both those places. But as far as the actual AOL content, you know, I I don't even know if I have or had an AOL email account. I haven't logged into it in forever. I still have the same name on AOL, and there are no suffixes or prefixes or numbers. It's just a pure name, which you all know what that name is. And I got that back in the early 90s when the originator, the person who had that account, left the service. And somebody uh. on AOL said, this name is available. Take it. At that point, I was running forums on AOL. They actually paid okay. me to work at AOL for several years. But they weren't the best employer because they promised me raises that I did not get. They made other representations that they didn't keep. In fact, I even had a lawyer who had to negotiate kind of a settlement with them after they closed my forums. So I wasn't too happy about AOL, but they really did well with the stock market market cap. They snookered themselves into being worth so much they could take over at least for a time, Time Warner. Yeah, that didn't work out too well for them in the end, though. It wasn't, as they say, the match made in heaven. And a few years, they were divested as a separate company, a spinoff. And then you kind of heard of AOL because of the properties like Engadget, and they bought Huffington Post and everything. Yep. And suddenly, too. I hear the story here that Verizon bought them out, and as of that point, over 2 million people were still paying for dial-up internet in 2015. Craziness. But, you know, there are some people for whom dial-up is the only form of internet access they have. We forget that. You know, we think, oh, they've got all these advances and everything, and, you know, getting 100 or 200 megabits or... A gigabit, you know, it's happening. But there are people who can't get any broadband internet. Very sad. And part of it is also with AOL. They called it the kindergarten of the internet because for many years it was a walled garden. Like, of course, you accuse Apple of having that Apple has a walled garden. Well, the real walled garden was AOL because all the email that you sent could only go to another AOL member. Later on, they expanded that. That was a big deal, that you can send your email anywhere. And slowly, they expanded Internet services. But at first, everything happened within AOL. 
Yeah, you must have been on there before I did because when I joined, they they did have, you know, email worked as email, and you could get on Usenet. It took a well. Uh, another year or two, I guess, to add uh, a web browser, web access of some sort. They they trailed Prodigy, one online service I did not actually get an account on. Well, that's funny. I did have a Prodigy account, too. But I go on there, and I didn't know what to do. There was nothing. Everything was big icons, big letters, very slow. Nothing was going on. That ages me. Let's talk about other things here. Okay, so as we say, probably I expect within a few years the AOL brand will disappear, immerse somewhere within Verizon. I'm not even sure I understand what they think they're doing there because I don't think they'll keep those publishing properties, the Engadget or the, or the Huffington Post. I don't think that's going to be there. I think they're going to want to spin that off. So I'm not really sure what they got. You know, I'm a little anxious on behalf of friends who work at those places because, yeah, they they seem to enjoy their work. They like to keep doing it. And nothing like a little corporate merger-induced uncertainty to take some of the fun out of the whole project. So that's AOL. But nowadays, if you think people hated AOL... Almost everybody out there hates their ISP. Now, I have Cox. They're not so bad. In fact, they just recently increased the bandwidth cap. So if we're streaming movies and we're binge-watching Daredevil or House of Cards from Netflix, we're not going to use up all the bandwidth anymore. I think my bandwidth went up about five times. Hmm. You have Comcast, I gather, right? Uh, No, actually Verizon Fios. Yeah, Verizon Fire. I do not have a data cap of any sort to contend with. That's good. But some of these ISPs have abysmal reputations, and one of those, and you've seen them online, Comcast. Tell us about Comcast. Comcast, they have, it's in some markets that they have a 300 gig cap. And afterward, and they say it's not a cap because, you know, they don't cut you off after that. They just charge you 10 bucks for another, I think, 50 gigs. Um, problems with it, first of all, it's not, you know, it's not always super obvious if one applies to you. I talked to a guy in South Carolina, I think, who he saw that it was in effect for a nearby city, didn't realize it would apply to him, and then he hit the cap. The bigger issue, though, and this is with any cap that covers multiple devices, it's really hard to figure out where the data went sometimes. You know, on your phone or your tablet, it's easy enough. You bring up the settings app and, you know, see which apps use the most data. How do you do that for the, your entire house? Uh, there, there is no easy way to do it. Uh, and, you know, you also have to, of course, take Comcast at its word that it is fairly counting your use. You know, though they're supposed to give you a data gauge to shows the overall consumption. But, Will you know if it's your online backup service or Netflix that pushed you over the top? Nope. Oh, boy. So here you are, as I say, depending on their honesty, that they're counting it right. And with some ISPs, it's screwy. I had a couple of years with CenturyLink before the discount expired and the rates became unconscionable. Right. And the way they counted bandwidth, and I didn't get... 400 i think i got 250 or 300 it was all download 
they didn't count uploads. At least that's what they told me. And I realized that because using the same bandwidth on Cox, suddenly I was using more of it. We've got more to talk about with Rob Pegarero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Nighthow Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves. Waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. <laughs> 
If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face -face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Walland Associates. 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So let me ask you, Rob Pegarero, is there such a thing as truth in bandwidth caps? Well, you know, it's certainly possible to to track it and, you know, be transparent with the user. But, man, it, uh, I don't think they have much of a role in a residential account. It's not like you've got scarce airwaves you've got to keep track of. And, of course, you can buy unlimited bandwidth. T-Mobile will say you want an unlimited, an unlimited plan. Spring will say you want an unlimited plan. But a lot of the time, it's just the Internet provider is trying to introduce art, artificial scarcity. You know, Comcast, they have this 300 gig cap in some areas. But on the other hand, they must have been with despair because they have this home hotspot feature on their uh, the routers, which creates a second wireless network not connected to your, your home network or your home computers that other people can log into if they're, if they're a Comcast customer themselves. So you can't really complain about a lack of bandwidth if you're literally giving it away like that. You know, I, I think... On my phone, it's different. And T-Mobile has a pretty fair data cap. They have, you know, you, you roll over unused data from one month to the next. And they've got this music freedom thing, which exempts a whole bunch of streaming music services. So that's about as porous of a data cap as you'll find in wireless service on a phone. Why do we hate Comcast? <laughs> so, you know, two weeks ago, I was in Chicago for a uh, a trade show called INTX, the Internet and TV Expo. It used to be called the Cable Show because it's run by the cable industry. And Comcast, they were making a big push about all the things they're going to do to provide a better product and better service to their customers. And I thought, you know, they have work to do. <laughs> There's been so many horror stories over the last year. And I thought it was worth sort of noting the things they're doing. I wrote this up for Yahoo Tech under the headline, Comcast really, really wants you to like it. And the specific things they're doing, they've, they've had this My Account app for a while, and they're adding some a sort of Uber-esque feature that lets you see an incoming technician's location on a map and his estimated time of arrival. You can rate each customer uh, you know, service incident on one to five stars. Uh, they've got some what looks like pretty high-end technology in their network that makes it much easier to diagnose where the problem is down to a few feet instead of having to, like, check every cable drop in a neighborhood. And they say they're hiring a bunch of people, uh, you know, opening three new customer service centers. 
And I would characterize the really reaction to all this as we don't believe you. <laughs> BS. <laughs> they, 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 they don't care what we think. And uh, I guess the nice thing I can say about that is this, this shows the job Comcast has in store. Now, how do you say they don't believe the customer? In what sense? In the sense that the readers say, you know, that they, they had no expectation that Comcast would be able to do a better job. Perhaps you can explain that in more detail. There's a whole lot of skepticism. They, they think Comcast is just not going to do it. They'll find some new way to jerk around the customer. Uh, you know, I heard some interesting things from people who said they worked for the company and said, like, you know, look, our own incentives are, are not to make the customer happy. They're to get the, cu- they're to get the customer to pay for more stuff. And yeah, it's sort of like any time a company has got that kind of perception that it's terrible at customer service, it's really hard to turn it around. And all it takes is one cranky employee or somebody who doesn't get the memo and, you know, you're set back by a huge degree. The individual employees need to think that, you know, to this, to this person, this customer, I am Comcast. And instead, what I see a lot of the time is it's like you're dealing with two companies. The... A Comcast local franchise will do something that is just obvious nonsense. When you ask Comcast PR in Philadelphia about it, they say that's not supposed to happen. And, you know, they eventually do right by the customer. But it's this <laughs> this gap between what what they say and what they, they say they're doing in headquarters and what happens in each individual Comcast market. It sounds to me like corporate is not properly controlling the local divisions. Right. You know, in some ways it can seem like kind of a very futile system, I guess. But, you know, you look at all the different cable operators that Comcast has bought up just around D.C., you know, we're looking at pieces of five or six different local franchises that have been slowly merged together. Is that part of the problem or a big part? I don't know. You know, a lot of mergers, one thing for sure if Comcast had actually been able to buy Time Warner Cable, the the work they're doing now to try to repair their reputation for bad customer service, to provide good customer service, would be about 50 times harder because they would also be busy digesting this, you know, the biggest cable company in America, eating the second biggest cable company. That's, that's a recipe for a lot of indigestion. Well, I know Time Warner gets a lot of criticisms. I have a friend who lives in Midtown, Manhattan, and he uses Time Warner, and he never stops telling me the horror stories. There was this very funny story the New York Times ran after Comcast called off the the deal, quoting some Time Warner customers who were thinking, well, maybe things could have gotten better. (laughs) They were like, there's no way things could be any worse. So perhaps having Comcast buy Time Warner Cable would would have improved our lot. But you wonder here at the beginning... Is the improved or the promise of improved customer service and respect on the part of Comcast, is that part of the hope for what they would have had to do to get that merger to come to pass? Or having already put that in motion, they might as well continue it or what? Well, with the merger, they were pinning their their whole strategy was basically was based on getting the feds to view this as a deal between TV providers. They spent a lot of time talking about, you know, we're not taking away competition in TV. You know, we're, we're only going to have this much of the share of pay TV viewers in America. 
the FCC wisely and correctly, in my view, said, no, this is a merger of two Internet providers, and it's going to give this one company control of a huge chunk of the broadband market in America and is going to make life a lot more difficult for competing over-the-top video services like Netflix. And they said, no way. And, you know, it certainly could not have helped Comcast cause that you kept reading about these customer mishaps, like, you know, changing people's names on their bills. You know, that, that's, that's not going to make the refs look more kindly upon you. Changing people's names on their bills. Explain. <laughs> there, a bunch of people came up and they would see that their bill on their bill that would be addressed as like, um, uh, instead of so-and-so, so-and-so, they would have been renamed somehow uh, to Whore Julia in one case. And there are other examples that were worse. And, you know, I guess in a customer service system, you need some way to change the customer's name. But it shouldn't be something that any joker of an employee can do on their own. But apparently that's how it worked. I know with a lot of companies I've had service with, you can never change the name. The name you sign up with, that's it. I mean, if 10 years from then you want to reestablish service, you can't use the same name. You've got to use still another. Like with Cox, I have three different names. Wow. Because I was there three different times, living in different places, making other internet decisions. But that's how it works with that. Right. Of, of course, the big issue here is we had the FCC's edict on net neutrality, pulling the ISPs and the Title II and all that stuff. And now we have the reports of lawsuits. And then we have the contradictory statements like from AT&T. Well, we're not going to invest in new service while all this is being worked out. You know, we're going to invest in new service. I mean, they have to wake up and possibly get their story straight. That's the problem. If you keep forecasting doom at a certain point, you had better deliver it. Or people will wonder why you were so upset about this thing that turned out to be not bad at all. Well, as a practical matter, then, if bandwidth caps are being reduced and or eliminated, and therefore there's no incentive to slow someone down, to slow down Netflix, why even bother? I mean, we understand they'd like to have millions of dollars to have Netflix pay them a bribe or to have Amazon pay them a bribe so they can send all their 5K video over. But after a while, doesn't that become ridiculous if you can get more money out of the customer for faster service or so you kind of have to think here that they don't have to really play this game to get your Netflix to come through without buffering and weird stuff. Although I have to tell you a story about Netflix the other day. I was binge watching the last three episodes of Daredevil. And I'll just leave this and we'll go to the next segment. And every so often in every segment the playback would stop and would revert back to the previous screen. This was on Apple TV. And I don't know if that was just a momentary glitch. It lasted for almost three hours for those three episodes. Curious. We don't know whether that was Cox's fault, Apple TV, Netflix, who knows. Rob Pegarero, nothing is ever his fault because he doesn't do anything <laughs> wrong. Oh, I'm yes. Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. leading the way for the nation compelling talk for every political persuasion we are gcn 
Virtually anyone can hack your cell phone and track your calls, your texts, your emails, your every movement, but only if they can detect a signal. Stay one step ahead of hackers and Big Brother with a Block It Pocket, a custom-made pocket infused with pure silver that creates a complete Faraday enclosure for your cell phone. For free shipping to the lower 48, visit BlockItPocket.com or call 888-315-9618, BlockItPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. This is a nationwide announcement for consumers owing back taxes to the IRS. The slowdown in the U.S. economy has forced renewed action by the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlement amounts from qualifying consumers who owe back taxes. If you're eligible, your back tax settlement may be discounted by thousands of dollars. A specially assigned national hotline has been directly routed to Defense Tax Group. Consumers may now call and check their eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Financial stability is a major priority during this slow economy, so you're advised to to dial this national hotline number now, 800-678-4191. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS, you may now find significant relief. You could save thousands of dollars if you qualify. Call now and get free vital information and to check your eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Call the Defense Tax Group now, 800-678-4191. That's 800-678-4191. 800-678-4191. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Please don't forget to check out Tech Night Owl Plus, our special service at plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. Our main offering is a higher-resolution copy of this show, The Tech Night Owl Live, where you get a special version of the show where we kill all the network ads, for those who don't want to hear ads. It's a modest monthly, annual, or five-year subscription fee. The instructions are slightly complicated because it's the only way we can do it right, unless someone has a better idea, which we welcome. But... We explain it all at plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. We're talking with Rob Pecorero, longtime tech journalist, currently hanging his hat at Yahoo Tech, with our old friend David Pogue, and also at USA Today, where I used to write also like many, many thousands of years ago, you know, I think before the Ice Age. But anyway, let's continue here. So I was talking here about Comcast and about net neutrality, and all the complaints, and the world hasn't ended, I think eventually the lawsuits will be dealt with and will go on with our lives. But some lawyers will make a lot of money. What do you think? I think you're absolutely correct in that. Yeah, I mean, the number of lawsuits that have gone around, I, I really don't think they're going to work because the whole contention that the FCC doesn't have the authority to classify Internet providers as common carriers 
They absolutely do. The FCC used that authority when it stopped classifying them as common carriers starting in 2002. I don't see how you convince a judge (laughs) that what was okay then is not okay now when the underlying laws haven't changed. Yeah, the lawyers will make a lot of money. The ISPs will spend a lot of money that maybe they could use on, I don't know, expanding service, providing better customer service, anything besides engaging in fruitless lawsuits. Now, speaking of spending money, I was reading not too long ago an article about the history of Verizon, which made promises before the FCC going back to the 90s or even earlier about all this huge broadband investment in which they were going to engage. And when you look at the promise and you look at the reality, it didn't happen like the Fios service is kind of stagnant. They haven't been building it out that much in recent years. So they're apparently expecting that most of the broadband they sell is going to be from Verizon Wireless. So when you have companies who make all these glorified promises of what they're going to do, and they do nothing, or they do a little bit, or they give excuses, and possibly they're hoping to maybe just wait out the changes in administrations and FCC personnel. But is there an ultimate solution? Because right now, yes, we have great broadband in a number of cities. You do, I do. But not so far away from where you and I live in different parts of the world, it's not so good. We're talking like not even, I was going to say two miles, but I think Alexandria, Virginia, that's more like four miles or so from here. They have no Fios. They uh, they took, I guess, too long to negotiate some kind of a deal with Verizon and then they got caught on the wrong side of the company decided that it was done building out Fios. And, you know, Verizon can talk a good game. It does have a good wireless broadband service, but that comes with really steep data caps. It is not a replacement for wired broadband. So the question, of course, is here, what do you do? What do you do about situations like that where people are left without decent service As you say, not so far from where you get great service, the haves and have-nots, and I don't know whether it's an economic issue or or just your location, whether the economic situation is good or bad. How do you convince the ISPs to be fair to everyone, give them all pretty high-end service? Usually that's what you want competition to force them to do. But in a case like Alexandria, the only viable broadband option in the city is Comcast. And so there's no effective uh, competition to sort of put them under any pressure to change. And, you know, that's another thing that happened at the uh, cable show in Chicago two weeks ago. The FCC chairman, Tom Wheeler, gave a speech, and he was not exactly warmly received. But he did urge cable companies to start overbuilding into each other's territory, which I don't think they're going to do it. There was a panel of cable CEOs that went on after him. And that they were all saying the industry is just fine. We we have lots and lots of broadband competition, which I really don't know what <laughs> they mean by that, because that's not the U.S. market that I know. But yeah, the um, you know the government is the FCC is trying to get a little more competition in. Uh, another thing to look at is municipal broadband. You know, there's in uh, what is it Nashville, Tennessee, the local. Uh, power company provides gigabit service at a very reasonable cost. And the problem there is, of course, 
in I think 19 or 20 states, there are laws either banning or really restricting municipal broadband. So now the FCC is looking to overturn those state laws. It's not clear if it has the authority to do that. And that's that's one case why I'm pretty confident in the FCC prevailing in the net neutrality lawsuits. I'm not so confident in this case. Now, in a situation like that, do laws come to be like that preventing municipal broadband because the cable broadband lobbyists basically persuade state legislators that this is bad for competition because it's allowing the government to step into areas where private industry ought to prevail? Exactly. That is, um, you know, a lot of nasty stuff happens in state legislatures. I think it's it's a mix of, on the one hand, a lot of them are part-time. Um, coverage of them may not be so great in the news. And, you know, it, you can get a, it seems the reward for your lobbying dollars can be much higher at the state level than at the federal level. And it's funny, you know, many of the companies that have been saying, oh, the FCC shouldn't have rushed into net neutrality. They should have a public discussion to this. But they did. Quite happy with state legislatures passing these restrictions or bans on municipal broadband quietly and in a hurry without a whole lot of public debate. That's how states work. Yep. In any case, do we see, though, in the present political climate so polarized, anything going to change big in terms of broadband? I guess the influence of Google Fiber helped because it encouraged the cable companies to figure a way to give you gigabit internet. And some of it's done with tricks where they use more channel bonding, sending out more channels of data on the same signal, enhancements at their network pedestals, things like that. Yeah, I mean, to me, Google, it's it's interesting to see how desperate a lot of places have been to get Google Fiber. And, you know, I personally felt a little disappointed when I saw that no place anywhere near D.C. made the cut when they announced the latest bunch of cities to be getting Google Fiber. Um, you know, I would be much happier with a far wider deployment of 100 megabit per second connections because a gig is something that you don't actually need. You know, it's nice, but it's going to be not so easy to use that up. Yeah. In any case, let's move on here. Speaking of TV and cable and broadband, there are rumors afoot that Apple is poised to introduce a new subscription TV service. And there's a story this week saying that one thing holding it up is that Apple wants to be able to offer your local stations. And a lot of these services don't do that, although I think the head of Dish Network says that the Sling TV will do it as a separate tier. Correct. Thing That's here, something there. Right. But Apple, supposedly, if you can believe the rumors, and this one comes from Recode. Yep, which has good sources. Which has, that's right. And you have to take that seriously. They're suggesting that the big impediment there is that for every station, every locality, it's not just dealing with networks. Some of them are locally owned, believe it or not. They have to go to all these stations and get permission to carry them, stream them. They're free if you set up your antenna to get local stations. But if you want to put them on the cable or streaming service, you've got to get permission. Let's have more on this with Rob Pegarero 
I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. It's absolutely heartbreaking. All over America, people are suffering from issues related to angina pain, high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, irregular heartbeat, clogged arteries, and high cholesterol. Can you live your life free from sickness, pain, and fear and experience your body healing itself? Look to Heart and Body Extract, an all-natural supplement that aids ailing bodies. It has an exclusive formula of wild-crafted and organic herbs. End the pain without all the side effects of prescription drugs. People 20 years younger will envy your vitality. Want a happier, healthier you? Then go to heartandbody.com or call toll-free 866-295-5305 for free information. Heart and Body Extract offers a lifetime guarantee with no price increase in over 14 years. What are you waiting for? Call Heart and Body now at 866-295-5305 for your free information. Go to heartandbody.com, 866-295-5305. Distributor inquiries welcome. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. 
manipulation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Rob Pegarero, we're talking here about the possibilities of Apple's new subscription service. So isn't it interesting here that wouldn't these stations want to somehow get more traffic, more of an audience? Why would they be greedy about it? It's like <clears throat> almost adding another antenna. Oh, if I can get a higher rating because I'm on Apple's subscription service, isn't that a good thing? Well, you know, one would think that. But um, nope, they're, they're going to want carriage rights. Yeah, if Apple's going to do this for that's that's the problem with trying to include local TV in the package because you have to talk to a lot of different stations. You can't just say, "Well, we'll have you know the station from the biggest city in your state that'll cover it," because you know here I am in Northern Virginia. I'm not actually that interested in local news from Richmond, Virginia. That's not near me. So I, I don't know how they do it. That's that's going to be a tough deal with Sling TV. They say they're working on it. It will be an extra tier. And I don't know how far down the line they're going to go. And they at least have the advantage. They're owned by Dish Network. They, they already talked to these stations, so they know the drill. With Apple, so, it's all something new. But isn't there a must-carry rule also? So it's complicated. Last time I looked at this, it was in a, about a year or two. You know, it's, it's possible to get that, but that puts you in a sort of different sort of a box. Uh, I'm going to have to look this up. It's a complicated area where... There's a certain amount of opting in you you have to do because if you could just take this on a must carry basis, then um, I'm blanking. What was that internet TV service that got shut down with the tiny readers, the tiny antennas? Yes, I remember the name. It's on the tip of my tongue, but that's the point. Where they had that service is thousands no of tiny antennas. The theory being that each customer was getting their own dedicated antenna which is being transmitted online, and therefore they are no different from the antenna you set up in your own home. It's like a proxy for that. But the Supreme Court said, no, 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 this is like a cable service. Exactly. Yeah, that, that put them out of business right there. They even tried, I think, to make real deals with all these companies. But still, you know, I kind of think here that the broadcast stations are in a shaky condition right now. Aereo, that's what it was. Okay. Broadcast stations are in a shaky condition now. They're not getting as much of an audience as they used to. Shows with five or six million viewers get renewed, whereas you needed 20 not too many years ago because you have a lower viewership. And if being fed on a service such as Apple gets some more viewers, couldn't they be a little more lenient about what they charge them? I mean, after all, I assume if you have a bigger audience... You can charge more for the ads and therefore make up the difference. It's not costing them anything, is it? Well, the other benefit this that would accrue to 
a station that thought about getting into more distribution mechanisms, better bargaining power the next time you have a carriage fee dispute with a, with a uh, cable or satellite TV operator. Because in the past, when that happened, when that's happened, if, uh, you know, Cablevision takes Fox off the air, what are you going to do? You, you can't say you're, you're living in New York City. You can't just put up a satellite dish. Um, and so if you can't get it over the air, you're screwed. But if the stations had maybe thought this through a little better, they could have said, hey, you can watch us on Aereo. You know, instead of being stuck having to come to terms with this cable company that has a lot of leverage of its own. But yeah, there, there's, there is a history of short-sightedness in the TV business. So why, why would it end now? At least in the days that they had iTunes first making the deals with the music companies, they managed to get it done partly because you had so much piracy that Apple sold that as a way to get legitimate downloads. People would pay a small fee to get legal music. And it worked. And it also worked when they finally removed the DRM. But today, when you download a TV show and you download a movie, it's still got the DRM. And they have all these restrictions. Maybe they felt that the music industry gave up too much too quickly. You know, I, I would say look to the music industry to as evidence that you can actually survive the digital transition. Uh, I did a column about this a few weeks ago for Yahoo. Uh, the Recording Industry Association of America. Remember the, the people that sued to stop the Diamond Rio MP3 player from being sold? Sure. They're pretty happy. They're saying like, you know, look, music revenue is increasing. And it's increased for a few years in a row. We've turned the corner. We, we've got a sustainable business model, and we haven't solved every problem. You know, that's happened even though you and I, the listener, we basically got everything we wanted. We can buy a song for a dollar in a format that'll work on any device we own and any device we're likely to own. There's no DRM. We own it, period. If we want to listen to a song for free, we can do that on Spotify and hear just about the entire catalog. If a song is playing and we want to know what song it is, we can use an app on our phones. It's so much easier to discover and listen to music. It involves so little DRM at any end of the process. You know, the, the lesson to be learned from the music industry is you do not need DRM, so stop obsessing over it, I guess. Well, it's not as if everybody's going to just give their movies to somebody else. I mean, if they have physical media, they'll do it anyway. Hey, can I borrow your DVD or can I borrow your Blu-ray? Yep. Or even your old videotape. People do that anyway, and there's nothing they can do, although I guess technically you can't do that. But why should the movies that you download, the TV shows you download, be more restrictive in how you use them? If you can hand out the DVD to somebody and nobody's going to come from the DRM police and arrest you, then you should be able to take your file and give it to the family or give it to the close friend who's not going to buy it anyway. No argument there. I mean, I... I have the same request into the book industry. You know, I do not buy many ebooks because I don't want to be handcuffed to a particular format. I, you know, Amazon's done a good job of shipping Kindle apps for every platform ever made, even WebOS. But I don't want to have to trust them to keep doing that. And you know, Apple, you know, iBooks are a total non-starter to me because that's only Apple's hardware, and for the longest time, it was only Apple's mobile devices. How long did it take them to get their ebook store to work on their own computers? It's kind of crazy. And, you know, that's a case where insisting on DRM is denying them money. I'm buying less books than I would otherwise because there's that uncertainty over is this thing that I 
bought, going to be something that will, I'm going to continue to own. I don't know. You see, the thing that worries me is that at some point in time, file formats will change. Yep. Marketing plans will change. I know that as long as I have a device to play the Blu-ray and the forthcoming Ultra HD Blu-ray that's coming this year, as long as I have some kind of hardware, and if the hardware isn't made anymore, somebody will have it on eBay. I'll always have it. I'll always have a tape cassette. I'll always have vinyl. I know if I buy those things, I will always have them for as long as those products exist or can be found somewhere. And I have that permanence. When I download a movie from iTunes or Amazon, anywhere, if I rent it, I know it's for one viewing. That's fine. It's just like pay-per-view or what we used to do when we went to the local video store. I accept that. But I don't want to buy movies online because it doesn't strike me as something that has permanence because I have no control over what's going to happen to it. we got more to talk about. With Rob Pegarero, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. The IRS is a private corporation, not a government agency. Income tax is collected by voluntary compliance. To learn to unvolunteer or discontinue volunteering into the IRS, visit escapeharassment.com and immediately implement Strategy 1. The process must be repeated each and every time. Paper, letter, envelope, presentment, etc. Always and forever. Failure equates to acceptance, subsequent resultant contract, and you pay or go to jail by your own consent and agreement contract. Avoid recontracting. Visit escapeharassment.com and implement Strategy 1 immediately. Bar lawyers and accountants won't help you. Why wait? Get Strategy 1 and immediately implement it to divorce the IRS today and forever. That's escapeharassment.com strategy one to be free from the IRS. Escapeharassment.com. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your 
favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686. 2237 extension 129. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So, Rob Pegarero, the question I have here is maybe fewer people are buying physical media. But consider my point. You don't have the permanence because files formats change. Files can be lost, deleted. You don't have the freedom to use that product because there are all those restrictions. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, even iTunes itself, I've, I was... I had much less hesitation about clicking the buy button once DRM went away because, yeah, you know, Apple makes good hardware and software, but I don't trust them to do so from now until the end of time. And I, now I don't have to. And that was a, a built-in advantage of Amazon's MP3 store from the start. So they really ought to be a little more lenient about the movies and the TV shows. And what about the people who just put them on the DVR? And now you can get on some of these DVRs, you can hook up an outboard hard drive. And theoretically, as long as you have the account, and I think if the account goes away, you won't be able to access that content. But otherwise, indefinitely, you can download a movie or a TV show, and it's going to be there for years. Yep. Of course, with the DVR, you're also paying the service fee until the end of time. Unless they sell it to you outright. Right. But they usually don't. Yeah. A while back, I did the math on how long do you need to keep a TiVo before paying for lifetime service uh, is to your benefit. And it's it's not that long, actually. But I'm, I'm sure that just as most people rent their cable modems instead of buying them, people make a financially unwise decision because it 
doesn't involve spending a lot of money up front. So do you think Apple is finally going to get the TV stations and the entertainment industry together to solve the problem of getting a subscription TV service? Again, assuming that the recode story is true. Don't know. You know, here it's they're setting themselves up with a very difficult task. I don't doubt that they can throw a lot of resources at it, but you know, this is so much more difficult than than getting the the four, however many it was, major labels to agree to sell stuff on iTunes. There are just a lot more actors involved. Now, you know, if you can just if you don't need to provide all the local stuff, the local news, you know area-specific stuff, then it gets easier. You know, if for that matter, if you, if you want CBS, you can watch that. You can pay to watch that directly online now, which wasn't the case before. But that, but do you want the stuff that makes your local station, the local station, instead of just another, uh, you know, clone of a nationwide franchise? With the local station I really- also, I think if you persuaded some of the larger owners to go along with this, the smaller groups would get in line because they know they're going to lose, particularly in one market. If the company that owns the local Fox station says, you know, I don't want to do this with Apple, but ABC made the deal. CBS made the deal. It's like dominoes. You knock them over. Eventually, they're forced to do it. Yep. Let's move on. All right. Congress is playing games, trying to pass again the Patriot Act. And we have the issues of NSA surveillance. And we have, who was it? Rand Paul, U.S. Senator, does this filibuster regarding NSA surveillance. So is this something that can even pass anymore? Do people really, does Congress really have the power to do it anymore? So this is a real mess. I was talking to a bunch of people about this uh, last night. Uh, it seems pretty clear, you know, you're not, the one thing that's not going to happen is getting the Patriot Act renewed because the House has already gone home. They're, they're not coming. The Senate could vote 100 to 0 to renew the Patriot Act in its entirety. Wouldn't work because the House is done and it will expire before they return. Now, what two things could happen you know, among many other less likely possibilities, uh, the House already passed by a huge margin the USA Freedom Act, which puts a lot of curbs on the NSA's bulk surveillance, uh, makes the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act Court a more slightly more open and less one-sided body, um, puts in some reforms on the use of national security letters, to demand information from companies that are then banned from telling anybody about it ever. The Senate could pass that, which I think they should. You know, it's not perfect. You could do a lot of things to improve it, but we're out of time. Or the Senate deadlocks, and then the the authority in the Patriot Act that sustains the NSA phone metadata program, where they, they track every phone number called in America, and, you know, didn't bother telling us about it. And we learned about it through Edward Snowden. That program ends. And the administration has said, like, it's already telling the NSA it has to prepare to stop this program before June 1st when the legal authority expires. Now, if, if it does expire, you know, that would be good in some ways, but not in others, since the problems that the USA Freedom Act would address beyond just bulk metadata, they don't get fixed. 
the FISA court remains this weird secret court that doesn't have anyone speaking up for the views of the people. There's no sort of, you know, court advocate. It's just the intelligence agency comes in and says, we want to do uh, this kind of search. And the FISA court says, okay. And the, the nightmare scenario, I guess, is, you know, the Patriot Act, all those provisions expire June 1st. And then Congress panics and then renews it for a longer period of time. The The Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, wants to renew it for, I think, two months, which, you know, the Senate, enough of the Senate is saying no way to that. So I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I'm afraid in a do-nothing scenario, an expiration could turn out to be temporary. And of course, certainly if, if there's, you know, any sort of terrorist attack, whether or not all of this NSA surveillance would have detected it. And there hasn't really been a whole lot of evidence that this phone metadata project, you know, there, there are people who have looked at it and they've said basically, this doesn't do anything for us. It is not doing enough. Uh, it, it's of minimal value. We could have gotten the information other ways that are, oh, and by the way, not illegal. The second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled, I think just two weeks ago, that this bulk phone records collection is against the law. It's not what Congress authorized when they passed the Patriot Act in the first place. Now, in the old days, the way it worked is if the law enforcement authorities needed to target a specific suspected criminal, they get the authority and they do it. But a blanket collection of phone number information it'd be drowned in all the noise. There's so much going on there. And even then, how do you determine which particular number to look at out of all that mess? Because you don't have the recordings of the calls. All you have is the metadata. Never understood that. Well, I guess when you're the NSA, you don't really need to be economical in the data you collect. The lack of storage or processing power is not really a concern. But, yeah, you know, the the basic principle here is, you know, we as a country decided a long time ago that, you know, we have these rights in the Bill of Rights. And the Fourth Amendment is particularly specific. It doesn't have any sort of – there's no wartime exception built into it. And there isn't some overriding purpose listed in it that you could say, oh, this means that's more important, so we have to back away from this. It's just, you know, the right of the people to be, uh, I forget the exact verbiage. But anyways, yeah, we we chose to optimize the laws in this country, not for solving crimes in a hurry. You know, we we say there's some things the state can't do, knowing that sometimes a guilty person is going to go free. And so people who say, you know, we have to do this to, to keep the country safe, no, we that that's the Fourth Amendment does not recognize that logic as I read it. We have more logic for you coming up. I'm Gene Steinberg with Rob Pigarero on the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? 
Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene. When you check out. This is a nationwide announcement for consumers owing back taxes to the IRS. The slowdown in the U.S. economy has forced renewed action by the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlement amounts from qualifying consumers who owe back taxes. If you're eligible, your back tax settlement may be discounted by thousands of dollars. A specially assigned national hotline has been directly routed to Defense Tax Group. Consumers may now call and check their eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Financial stability is a major priority during this low economy. So you're advised to dial this national hotline number now. 800-678-4191. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS, you may now find significant relief. You could save thousands of dollars if you qualify. Call now and get free vital information and to check your eligibility for a significant tax debt reduction. Call the Defense Tax Group now. 800-678-4191. That's 800-678-4191. 800-678-4191. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Walland Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Walland Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Walland Associates. 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves. Waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. 
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl live, Rob Pegarero writes for USA Today and Yahoo Tech and other places, and we're talking about the Patriot Act, the NSA surveillance, whether Congress can get together and renew the law, change the law, improve the law, or have it all embroiled in political controversy. And in the latter case, if you look at it, do we really even need the law? Don't existing laws about terrorism and any criminal activity, aren't they sufficient to get the job done? That's that's the point now. I've tried to make, a whole lot of people have tried to make as well. Uh, and the weird thing is, certainly polls do not show some groundswell of support for keeping the Patriot Act. But if you look at the Republican presidential candidates, and this is another thing I noted in this column for Yahoo, with two of them, it's pretty clear they, they do not like it. Rand Paul especially. He, he, isn't, he doesn't like USA Freedom because he says that's not strong enough. Ted Cruz pretty clearly does not like you know what this act has done. Uh, but others, you know, Jeb Bush, he seems fine with it. He has no problem with it. Chris Christie gave a speech on Monday railing against civil liberties extremists uh, and saying, you know, fears of surveillance are ridiculous and baloney. Well, I'd like to think of a former prosecutor, you know, you do have to study the law to get in that position. And you think it would be a little more clear that standing up for your constitutional rights should not make you an extremist. And then there's a bunch of other candidates where I have no idea. They haven't really said anything about it. I would say if you're going to be taken seriously as a candidate, you should probably have some kind of stance on this. It's kind of a big deal. Well, I think we're also pulled kicking and screaming into the Patriot Act in the wake of 9-11. Everybody was panicking to do something, something, anything. And they got away with it. And they got away with renewing the law. But now people are asking more and more legitimate questions and if they're going to have this thing, it likely is going to have to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Maybe, you know, being really pro-Patriot Act helps you get through a Republican primary. But, you know, I don't know. I, I was wondering on Twitter the other day, how is it that um, if the government taxes me extra, if I don't get health insurance, that crushes my liberty. But if the feds record every phone number I call, that's OK. I, I don't <laughs> I don't get that logic at all. There go the politics. Let's talk about one thing very quickly regarding credit cards. Yes. And we have Apple Pay now. And we've had all those break-ins of credit card numbers from like Target and other places. And I had made purchases from Target during the period when this happened. So it was a rather annoying time. Now, you mentioned to me before we did this episode about what is called EMV security. It's coming on credit cards. What is it? Yes. EMV stands for Europay MasterCard Visa, which are the, the three companies, organizations that develop the standard. It's a little computer chip embedded in the card that um, basically just gets electricity, comes alive when it's in a card reader slot. And it encrypts the transaction in the store so that, you know, that there's no... You can't just lift the credit card number like you could with the, the Target and the Home Depot hacks. Uh, it's been in use in Europe for a long time, and it has really pushed down the cases of card present fraud. 
where someone's using a stolen card in a store or a clone credit card. Uh, and the U.S. is just now coming around. And until, I guess, mid-January, I did not have any cards with the MB chips. Now, two of the three that I regularly carry include them. And I've, I've actually, and now only in the last two weeks have I made an EMV transaction because support for it in stores is so far behind. But now um, Walmart has had it for a while. They kind of leaped out ahead of that. And Home Depot now has uh, EMV turned on as well, which is good because, you know, it was their really weak security and their point of sale system that, you know, helped people realize, hey, we need to get on the bandwagon with the EMV. We can't keep stalling on this. So they were forced, like always happens, kicking and screaming to make this investment, but it costs more to make the card. Is that the issue? Yeah, it's the difference between like $0.25 cents and $2. Uh, and if you're the merchant, you know, you do need a new point-of-sale terminal. You know, and, you'll, and a lot of the time, what I've also noticed is a lot of POS term point-of-sale, not standing for anything else, a lot of credit card terminals they will have a slot for uh, EMV cards at the bottom, but it's not turned on. You'll put, I've tried putting some of these chip cards in at like the Whole Foods near me and nothing happens. So you sort of have to, you know, either know that the store supports it up front or, you know, at Home Depot, I noticed the the signage around it said, you know, you can, uh, you know, swap or slide your card, whichever you prefer. And, you know, that would at least be some people's hint. But, you know, certainly if you have a card with an EMV chip and you do see that they, they do take it payment through that, you should pay with the chip, not with the magnetic stripe. Explain that in more detail. What's the difference with the payment techniques? Because we need to clarify this for people. Yeah, the, the magnetic stripe is just the, the black thing on the back of the card. It has your information encoded and, you know, you swipe it, it's read by a magnetic reader in the, in the terminal and, you know, your number stored. Boom. With the chip, there's actually some computing going on. You physically insert the card into a slot with the uh, chip up, and it'll say on the screen, you know, don't remove your card until the transaction is done. And in that case, your the card number is scrambled during that process. So it doesn't yield anything that you could take. There's still a card number on the front. So what could happen is if someone obtains your card, they couldn't clone it but they could go buy stuff online or over the phone. EMB doesn't solve that issue. And in theory, they could... In the U.S., we use what's called chip and signature. So the the way the you prove that you were you is signing a receipt, exactly as it is now. In Europe, it's chip and pin most of the time where you punch in a four-digit number that verifies that you were you. And, you know, that in theory should make a stolen card useless, but I did have one... Uh, one expert in credit card security explained that in the EU, a lot of people will write their PIN in the signature block so they don't forget it, which which makes the whole thing not so secure after all. Well, the signature is ridiculous. I can sign at the payment terminal Mickey Mouse, and it goes through. Yeah. And yeah, nobody's going to dispute it. You can't come back and say, I didn't make this transaction. Look at the signature because they don't have it. They can't look up that signature and present you the physical thing you signed. Yep. Yeah, about the only place I regularly have people ask me for ID when I pay with a credit card is Las Vegas. I wonder why. Yes. Yeah, they do, don't they? I don't go to Las Vegas that often. But they do. But anywhere else, if I have possession of that credit card, it doesn't matter. 
if they ask for a signature. And then, of course, depending on how the payment system is programmed at the store you're going to, you may be able to do a transaction of $50 or $100 without the need to sign. You merely have to present the card. Rob Pegarero, would you tell our listeners how they can find more of what you do? You can read me at Yahoo Tech, yahoo.com slash tech. I write about policy matters there. I do a Q&A column for USA Today at usatoday.com. And I'm on Twitter as at Rob Pegarero. You can find us on Twitter, by the way, also. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter and you'll find us. How about that? Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook and that guy is me. I hope if I'm wearing the plaid shirt. I will never give up that plaid shirt. (laughs) The picture is 400 years old. I have an old picture getting old in the closet, but I still have that picture. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. It's called The Paracast at Paracast.com. Our guest this week is a guy named Tim Beckley who has been looking at the paranormal, all things paranormal, for many years. He also used to manage rock and roll bands. Tim Beckley. Mm. How about that? Don't ask me to explain that. I can't. We also have another special feature of this show called Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S dot And what we offer is better quality audio version of the show, higher MP3 bit rate, a little bit higher, better quality, made from the original recording that we did with our guests. It's also ad-free for those who've asked for that. For a modest monthly, annual, or five-year subscription rate, go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. Rob Pegarero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.